Hi there, MMBC family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek discussion as we talk about the sermon from this uh, past week. As we continue in Ephesians chapter 5, we actually finish out uh, chapter 5 uh, this week, uh, but looking at verses 25 all the way through 33. We've been talking about marriage for the past few weeks, as that is where Paul goes uh, when he's talking about being a spirit-filled Christian, a believer. This is how it's going to play out. And so naturally, Paul goes to relationships that we're going to have. And one of the most important relationships within society is in marriage. And so he goes right into marriage after telling all of us as Christians that we should be submitting to each other, right, and caring about each other. Uh, he talked about wives submitting to your husband. And he says, husbands, you need to love your wife as Christ has loved the church. And so last week, we, we had probably our best midweek discussion because we had some other people in here. It wasn't mm-hmm. just us, but we had... we all had our... Well, never mind. Two of you had your wives, yeah. but we also had uh, Miss Kara Sram, who was our women's mm-hmm. ministry leader, mm-hmm. and she was here and helped in the discussion. I thought it went really well. I mm-hmm. was thankful that they did that. Uh, but this week <clears throat> is on husbands, and we scanned the church trying to find good husbands to invite, but we couldn't find any. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it just was us. I mean, we were like, well, we're probably the best. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the cream of the crop <laughs> cream of the crop yeah <laughs> no we just weren't as on top of it as last time that's right. really all but right. ephesians 5 25 to 33 um looking again at husbands and i followed this i tried my best to follow the same format i did with the wives because wives were called to submit as as christ has or as the church submits to christ and we said well how does this happen what does this look like right mm-hmm. um Husbands are called to love their wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it took some time to talk about how Christ has loved the church. And um, I I pulled some words that I thought were were fitting in using this passage, but also uh, trying to, I don't know, look at the overall love that Christ has had for the church. And so I'll, I'll go through these quickly, and you guys can please speak to them if you want to. Uh, the first word was was fully, but in talking about fully, what I meant was that he's fully committed to the church, uh, not to something else. And we see throughout Scripture his love for the church, which is called his bride, uh, numerous times, and how he gave everything for for the church. There's no plan outside of the church. The church is plan A, plan one, plan the plan. The church is, is the plan. There is no plan B. No plan B. Right, uh, the church is is his, and he he loves the church, and and so we don't want to sidestep that. Uh, that's an important thing. I think I think I don't know if it happens so much now, but a few years back, maybe like ten years ago, twelve years ago, up to maybe I don't know five years ago, I really think churches were attacking churches, talking bad about churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, You would see billboards, you know, our church isn't like your grandma's church Mm -hmm. or whatever. And you had churches talking bad about the bride. Like we are the bride of Christ and we're talking bad about each other. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're making fun of each other. Just, I don't think this is good. I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily see that so much anymore, but for a while I was seeing that quite a bit, but the church is, is the plan, and Christ is fully committed to the church, his his bride that he loves, which is the next thing, a selfless love that Christ has for the church. Paul uses the word agape love here. Maybe maybe one of you guys have done a deep dive into that word, 
more so than what I had talked about. Anybody? I mean, this is our resident linguist mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I think you nailed it. I mean, I think agape is is the unconditional, no strings attached. You know, it gives everything for the sake of another person without any expectation to get anything in return. So that, that's it. That's the word. Yeah. And so we see Christ loving us. And when I say us, please know it as when I'm talking about his bride, the church, mm-hmm. loving us in a way that was for our salvation, for for our betterment, right? For our forgiveness of sins. Granted, it was also for the glory of the Father. Yes. And I don't want to sidestep that. Uh, but Christ sacrificed, which is the next word, everything to show us this love. I mean, he proved his love. Even you think about him with his disciples and they all flee and run away from him, yet he still does it. He doesn't he still goes to the cross. He doesn't say, you know what, forget this. They've all ran off. Mm-hmm. At least a couple of them could have stayed with me. Right. Right? No, they're all gone. But yet that's not the type of love. It wasn't a give and take mm-hmm. love. Right? It was a it was a love that's completely, completely selfless, uh, that he's given to us. And like I said, sacrificially was the was the third word. Uh, that we discussed yesterday uh, during the sermon. Christ went all the way to the cross and died for the church. And what this is such a great act of love, and Scripture speaks of this, and this is this is what we have, right? Paul would say, we preach Christ crucified. Yeah, and I think that you made a point in your sermon to really highlight the fact that the what Christ, in giving up himself and gave himself up for her, was not just dying. Right. It was, there was many other things that he gave up, and he humbled himself to human form and mm-hmm. and all of all of that, and I think your point to husbands was um, giving yourself up to your wife or for your wife is not simply being willing to die for her. Mm-hmm. It actually has real implications in your life right now. I thought that was a, a good helpful point because you were right. We can all yeah sure I take a bullet for my wife mm-hmm. yeah I'll do that when the time comes. Um, please don't let it come. <laughs> yeah, please don't let that come. No, I'll do it I don't it want comes. that. My oh, wife, yeah, I want the pizza now. <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't want that either, right? But it's uh, till then. It's just a good reminder that like our sacrifice as husbands is a is a living sacrifice. Yeah. You know, we we do it alive. There's things that we do in our day to day that make it like that. That's right. Well, the scripture goes on in this in this passage of Ephesians and talks about how Christ has cleansed. His bride, and so uh, made a point. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't just die, but He cleanses us through His death. And without blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. It tells us in Hebrews. And so, His death was was purposeful, not just dying to like protect or whatever. No, to to cleanse, to completely wipe away the penalty of sin that we see there. And so, this was a one time cleansing. Talked about that just briefly. Um, but he has made us clean. He has made us pure, which, which is how he presents us, which we'll get to. Uh, but it also talks about nourishing, how Christ nourishes us. He nourishes us through, um, through the word, through the word we have. Uh, I, quoted, I quoted some different passages, including uh, when Satan pushed him out and they went out into the desert and was being tempted by Satan. We said, turn these breads, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus says, we can't live by bread alone, right? Mm-hmm. But everything that comes from the Father. So the importance of the word and how he nourishes his church, the bride, uh, through the word of God. That's why it's so important to, to be a church that's founded on, on the word. Um, but then also, uh, it says he cherishes the church. 
that Christ cherishes us. And in doing a little word study on that, uh, the idea of like a heartwarming, really uh, mm-hmm. a real compare or uh, taking pride in, you know, really a real love there um, beyond just even the selfless thing, maybe, you know, just this uh, a specialty kind of love in Jesus throughout his word reminds us of this love over and over and over again. And so it's not just like, remember the thing I did before? That's how I love. No, he said, I'm always going to be with you, right? I'm all, I'm never going to forsake. I'm always going to be there for you. All authority has been given to me. I'm with you always, he says. And mm-hmm. there's this specialness to that relationship with Christ uh, in his church where he, he cherishes us uh, very specially. And so he's cleansed us, he's made us whole, he's made us pure. And that's where in verse 27 of Ephesians 5, it talks about Christ presenting the church to himself in the words that are used first is splendor, right? In, in great splendor. And there's a lot of royal imagery here that comes verse four. I'm sure you guys did this, I'm guessing. You guys probably got up early and watched the wedding of like Kate Middleton and uh, Prince Charles, right? Spencer, that was you for sure. That was not me. That was not me at all. You I, didn't? No, no. Have you ever seen like a royal wedding? Uh, no. You haven't? Like, uh, you never seen any part of a royal wedding? Well, I mean, I've I seen no like, desire I've seen that. clips of like, uh, oh, no, that's not it. Nope. I don't know how you wouldn't have seen clips of yeah. Charles and Kate's yeah, wedding that, back in the I've day. I've seen Downton Abbey. Was ever, yeah, that's close, I guess. Not really. <laughs> that, yeah, man. Yeah. I'll watch that. <laughs> but at a royal wedding, there's a lot of pomp. A lot of pomp and circumstance, right? In the in the 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 bride, I mean, has a a dress on that's beautiful. Probably has a really long train on it, and everybody is just staring at this bride, right? And I mean, it's a big deal. This bride walking in, and, and that's the that's the imagery that we're given in Revelation of the church being presented to Christ. And the only reason that we can be presented to Christ in this great splendor and majesty is because. He's made us worthy to do that. We're not worthy on our own uh, to do that. He's He's done that for us. And so, again, I I wanted us to get the sense of the specialness in the relationship that the church has in the eyes of Christ, right, that he would do this. And because it goes on not just in splendor, but it says holy and without blemish. It's gonna It's a pure church, completely white as snow, presented to you know, the groom being Christ that we see there in this marriage that uh, in the end will will come and culminate in, in perfection. Mm-hmm. And it's because Jesus has made it perfect. This is the love that he has for us, that we don't deserve it. We were sinners, not searching after God, not trying to find God, but yet God found us in our sin and our shame and our guilt and lavished his grace upon us so that we could be called the bride of Christ. I mean, that's that's the picture here of the love. I thought you did an excellent job with the idea that when our, when our wives got ready, they had their hair done, and, you know, they spent a lot of time. We didn't do anything. 
you know, I never thought of it mm-hmm. that way. I played <clears> basketball <throat> the whole morning before we got married. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> I hung out with my groomsmen, you know, and went to Denny's, I think. <laughs> oh, so and, you were sick later. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. And, uh, but, you know, we didn't do anything. They did everything. And, and it's like, but that's the opposite. Christ did everything for his bride. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, do I do everything for my bride? Like, do I just make it my priority to make sure she, she has her needs met, et cetera? I'm like, Ugh. And it's like, that was very, I'd never thought of it that way. Um, because, you know, we make the comparison, husbands, wives, Christ and the church. But yeah, he's like the ultimate husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did it all. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Yeah. Well, and so then the second half of my sermon was just going through those words again, but in relation to us, to our wives. And Scott already tried to do that earlier with uh, sacrifice. I tried to cut him off so we could talk about it now. You weren't following the program. Sorry. It's all right. You're forgiven. (laughs) So just like a point that was made uh, with the wives submitting to their husbands, which was an important point, was wives submit to their husband, not men but to their specific husband. And we have this same thing for us. We are to love our wives fully, right? Just just her. There's a relationship there that isn't compared to any other relationship. And so that brings forward our commitment and thinking about our commitment level to our wife compared to our commitment level to other things. And I think this is important for husbands to, to think about because we have a lot of things that we give commitment to. At least we should. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, work, kids, friends, all this stuff, which isn't bad. All these things are, are good things. But where is our commitment level, right, in terms of that stuff with our wife? And so some people are like big planners and thinkers, and they plan ahead about retirement and all these things, and they have goals and strategies, and they're very committed to it in their thinking I'm doing this for my wife. I'm doing this for my family. But they're also, because of this, kind of absent to some other needs maybe to their wife. And so this commitment is a bigger commitment than what they're giving to their to their spouse in that instance. And I think it's something for us men to be thinking about is how fully committed are we to our wife? And does she alone have that commitment? Nothing else has that type of commitment which naturally leads into the second word we talked about is that agape love, the selfless, the selfless love. Um, what would you guys, what advice would you guys give to a couple, a guy getting ready to get married um, when it comes to this, what this looks like in a relationship, uh, agape love within, because this is the word that's used here. Um, but I did make the point to say, the other types of love are evident within a marriage relationship. They should be. They need to be, right? Mm-hmm. The filial love, which is more of a give-and-take type of love. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the eros love, which where we get the word like erotic. But there's, um, you could say like sexual love or however you want to mm-hmm. say it. Uh, that's part of the marriage relationship too. And so you don't want to avoid that. But it seems like the biggest task given to us as husbands is agape love. And so how would you talk about that practically to... Uh, a guy getting ready to to get married. Uh, you know, I actually do enjoy doing weddings and and have have done quite a few, I guess. Um, but I I I tell the I when I do premarital counseling, I tell the uh, the husband, I said, listen, 
you know, you're going to fall into a, a trap that I fell into. I think a lot of husbands do where it's like once you get the girl, you know, you, you, you say I do, you go on your honeymoon, you start your life. It's easy to start kind of becoming a little bit lazy, taking it for granted. It's like, okay, like check, you know, I have, I went to, I went to college, I got my degree, I got my job, I got my wife, check, you know, and it's easy to fall into this, like this pattern of like, you're just kind of like, you're married and it's like, everything's right. I got my wife and she's, you know, she cooks or does this or whatever. And it's going to be, the challenge is to continue to make her your priority to to continue to look for ways to sacrifice whether that means like hey I'm not going to go out with the guys you know right now or you know I'm I'm going to um you know let's let's watch this together instead of what I want what I want to watch or whatever I mean that's small examples but you know just keeping that I mean it's it's very clear in how how the Lord has made it clear to uh, to us as husbands that you have to make your wife a priority. And Tim Keller says it well. He's like, marriage is not designed for you it, it to be second or third category. It won't work. You have to give it all. You have to make, you know, the hus- for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, which is the idea of like super glue yourself unto your wife. The two shall become one flesh. And so I tell husbands, listen, you've got to make your wife your number one priority. I, learn from me. I didn't do that. When I first got, first got married, it's like I had my ministry, and I was like, this is great, and my wife's kind of along for the ride, and I just kind of took it for granted. And so keeping that as her, keeping your number one priority, her, that's what I would say to the husbands. One of the things we talked about last week, and maybe even the week before, but when looking at Adam and Eve and creation and how Adam was created first, and then Eve was created out of his side to come alongside him to fulfill the purpose that God had given them to have dominion and subdue, you know, over the, over creation. Uh, And then even with wives talking about how you come alongside your husband to help him with the purposes that God has given him. All right. I think that sometimes can be taken as wives. You now have no purpose other than what your husband's purpose was. So any purpose you had before your husband now needs to change completely to be your husband's purpose. But I think when we start to see this, this selfless love, the sacrifices that the husband needs to make, I think part of that. I want to hear your guys' thoughts, is a change of direction because now I've been joined together with this woman who she also had goals. She also had desires. And I can't just say, too bad. Now they're mine. you got to follow mine because that's what this is. I don't think that's what the Bible's getting at there. And so we have to selflessly look for her to flourish and to care for her knowing who she is, you know, and how, how she goes about. And there's some women who they want to have eight kids and they'll find great purpose in that. And there's other women who are like, women are like, I, I think I'll die if that, yeah. if that happens. And so mm-hmm. us as husbands trying to know that and work together as one, like you were saying, moving forward, you guys got any thoughts on that? Well, I would just say what Paul says, he who loves him, his wife loves himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, if any husband out there is nervous about living sacrificially for his wife, I mean, in a way, you're doing this for yourself. This really is what's best for you, mm-hmm. too. Like, this is how God has designed this. You know, and, and back to Genesis, this idea that he fleshes out of being one flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you serve your wife in this way, you you are loving yourself because she is part of you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that just works out. Something that I was thinking about, Tim, when you were preaching through this idea of, of living sacrificially was... 
this last week I listened to a podcast of um, it was somebody interviewing this lady named Helen Fisher, who's like the love doctor or something like that. And she was talking about like the science of love and what makes lasting relationships. And it was really depressing <laughs> listening to her. And it like really made me realize that the Christian idea of love and of marriage is it is becoming more and more countercultural, mm-hmm. not just because of gender, but just because of the very nature of love. Because her understanding of what is the key to having a long-lasting, happy relationship was basically find somebody who is okay with you being you. And there was, like, basically find somebody who is willing to put up with you and all of your problems and is willing to allow you to pursue your desires and create space in your relationship so that you can still pursue your desires, they can still pursue their desires. She went so far as to say that, like, it might be wise for you all to live apart even so that you can do that. And it's like the Christian understanding of love is so different from that mm. because it's not, oh, the the person that you can love for the rest of your life is the person that will let you do whatever you want to do and be okay with that. That's the opposite of what we're talking about here. We're talking about the definition of, of love in this relationship is who are you willing to sacrifice your desires for, right? That That's what we're talking about, and it's just completely the opposite of who am I willing to give up my preferences for to serve them? Who am I willing to give up my time and my hobbies so that they can benefit in this as well? And um, I don't know. I was thinking about that, and I just think that's – it's just crazy because they were talking about that on that podcast. Like it was so normal and so wise. Yeah. I was like, man, if Jesus loved us, I mean, it's, that's not how it works, you know? Um, yeah. This is why uh, we've said this a couple times, but it's very important uh, to marry believers together Yeah, uh, because of this. <clears throat> you can't, a believer and a non-believer cannot be going in the same direction. And sadly, though, this is what some people would say they're sacrificing for the betterment of their marriage, and they sacrifice their their faith. They sacrifice their commitment to to the church. And while well, I'm trying to, you know, love on my wife here, and you're you're messing up. You know, you're sacrificing the the wrong things here, mm-hmm. um, which kind of leads to the next section, right? Because Jesus cleanses us, and I really wanted to bring out the point that this is not something we can do as husbands for our wives. We can definitely point them to Christ, point them to the word of God, which is what we're supposed to do. The nourishing part is pointing them to Christ through the word uh, so that they can love Christ more every day so that they can see that he is the one that has truly given his life for them completely. And that we believe the same then for us. He's given us our life as well. And, <clears throat> this is the one our family looks to uh, for for all things and <clears throat> i don't know sometimes it comes across to me with some men that they feel it's their job to present their wife holy and blameless and uh i just don't believe that's something we can do um i don't know if you guys want to talk about that or, or if you've seen that i mean i don't i've never had a guy come out and say that like i will present my wife to christ perfect uh, but it just comes across that way Almost, and it becomes more of a moral thing. It seems to me. I don't know if you guys come across that. Maybe I'm 
alone over here on an island. I mean, uh, I've never heard it put in the way in terms of, like we had conversations earlier this week of like, you're going to be held responsible for the level of sanctification that your wife reaches when you get to heaven. Um, you know, I think that is taking, again, like you said in your sermon, you can really push analogies too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, as the husband in his role in his family is to to lead his family in pursuing the Lord. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're the one doing the sanctifying, but you're the one that is that's Taking, you know, you can, what's the, what's the phrase that goes like, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. It's kind of like the husband's responsibility, as I see it in this, is talking about is you bring your family to water. And you, you can't force them to drink, but you bring them to the water. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some husbands who, they never bring their family to the water. Mm-hmm. They don't emphasize, right? It's like, you know, you can emphasize, like, we are going to go to church. Right, and you as the father, you have the opportunity, as the the head of your household and as as the leader of your home, to make that a priority for your family. Um, I think like that. That's what it's talking about. In not just church, but that's an example mm-hmm. of where you very clearly can do things that will lead your family to be nourished. You're not the one doing the nourishing. You you can choose to lead your family <clears throat> in times of prayer, or. Uh, to do family devotions at home together, right? But it's it's the word that's doing the work. You're not mm-hmm. as the husband sanctifying yeah. them, but the husband is has a major influence in the family. Of are you even taking them to where they can be sanctified? Or you know, I don't. Yeah, know and that's the else. sacrifice that I probably see happening the least in marriages, even in churches. Is we have husbands who are willing to sacrifice a lot. They sacrifice their time because they coach their kids' team. You know, they they sacrifice money because they want to take their family on vacation and they talk about how this is caring for my family, right? I'm being with my kids, taking my family here. Maybe they even take their wife on dates or whatever every week. You know, this is me sacrificing. I could have been going golfing or I could have been doing this, but instead, you know, this is is what I'll be um, doing. But really, uh, I think the biggest sacrifice we need to make is what you were just talking about, Scott, and the sacrifice of being in the word of God and knowing it and how to apply it to your family and to life. Having your family sit down, which is a chore, getting them all to sit down and listen to the word of God being read for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it might be, a half an hour to have a discussion, you know, making the time to uh, make church a priority. These are, these are sacrifices that sadly, I don't see men too often being willing to make. And they have a lot of excuses, you know, busy at work, uh, busy with the kids and the activities that they're doing. We're just tired, whatever, whatever it might be. But to me, this is the sacrifices that Christian husbands should be making on a regular basis uh, to put their family first. Because like you said, we want our wives to be nourished. And that nourishment isn't in vacation right that true rest isn't found in that we we all know that when you come home from vacation you're dead tired right true rest is found in the word of god and so if we're going to love our wife well we need to be presenting her to him not just sunday but all the time you know and um like i said sadly that's just not a sacrifice i see too many men willing to make 
Yeah, I think I I think one of the things that was really helpful for me in a, a book, God at Work, which talks about all the vocations, is the fact that if if is that God is in our vocation, that Jesus is in our vocations, and what he means by that is, as a husband, like we talk about the uh, sanctification part. I, I can't, Spencer can't sanctify, none of us individually can sanctify my wife, but Jesus uses people to sanctify other people, to take that word to them and the Holy Spirit's presence there. So you see your now, instead of simply being a, a seeing a husband as being something, I don't know, you're, you're now seeing yourself being a husband or being a wife or being a child or being a parent. These are instruments of grace that God is using, Jesus is working in and through you and is actually present in and through your actions to your wife and her actions to you. So to actually sit there and to see uh, Christ present, I think Luther used the idea of masks, how God is Jesus, God wears masks in the world and, and just he's hidden in all of these various ways, taking care of the world. Mm-hmm. And realizing that being a husband is actually a great privilege because Jesus is taking care of my wife or using me to uh, save my children even. Not because I can save them, but because he's working through me to take that gospel to them. And seeing it that way is a very grace-filled way. And then on whenever I see it that way, then whenever we talk about making sacrifices to... Um, at least in the general sense of taking a spiritual an interest in the spiritual good of my wife or the spiritual good of my family, those don't become sacrifices. They're just part and parcel of what it is to be a husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I guess on the one hand, I want them to I want people to realize, yeah, it is going to cost you something to make these a priority. On the other hand, that's just your job. Mm-hmm. That's what you signed up for. It's kind of like. Um, you know, so I, I guess that's one of the things too. Is I would want people, I would want husbands to be reminded. I don't know. We today in our day and age, we use different marriage vows, and we did at our our wedding. But I, I particularly like the old traditional ones, um, and maybe go back and just reread what it is you vowed to do to your wife, and to love and to cherish, to take care of her in sickness and in health, for better, for worse, whatever. You promised to be there for her and that Jesus was going to use you in your marriage to take care of her. Mm-hmm. And I guess for me, like getting outside of my feelings or or whatever, going back and just reorienting myself according to what I promised her and what I'm called to do by God to do this, it no longer simply is a duty, but it then also becomes a great privilege and a great gift and a great grace mm-hmm. to do this as mm-hmm. well. And then marriage, I guess, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but one of the things that also comes to my mind is you brought up Philippians 2 in the marriage. And this is what's interesting, is the wife is called to submit to her husband, but the husband is called to submit his own desires and to sacrifice those for the good of his wife. So actually, we're both practicing Philippians 2, having this mind of yours in Jesus Christ, taking the interest in another person. Mm -hmm. So actually, whenever we're fulfilling our distinctive responsibilities as husbands and wives, from the world's perspective, oh, look, someone's the boss and someone's not. But actually, that's not what's going on here. We're both having the mind of Christ here. We're both looking to the interest of other people and ultimately to God's interest. Um, that's mm-hmm. what love actually is. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess to me, that's just the beautiful thing of what, now that we all fall short of that, but to me, that's the beauty of what a, a marriage actually that's being used by God is, is, is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I was going to just say this, that you said, Spencer, that I thought was really helpful. It's the idea of God using what we are doing to bring about like what only he can do. Yeah. And I mean, as I guess this is like a little preview, but I mean, that's, that comes up very much. So in the next passage mm-hmm. that I'm going to be preaching on this Sunday, when the command is to fathers to not provoke their children anger, but bring them up. And that, that phrase, to bring them up, is the same phrase that's used when he talks about nourishing. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of you, your role, dads, is to nourish mm-hmm. your children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Does that mean you can save your children? No. But it means that God has ordained and given you a mm-hmm. role in your family that he uses it by his spirit to sanctify your children, to lead them to faith, hopefully, is that what we pray for. The same is true for how you lead your whole family, including your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's just like that. That's very clear in that passage there, mm-hmm. you know, um, of the idea of how does a husband nourish? Well, we don't sanctify, but right. we use the tools God has given us that we know he works through yeah. to bring that about. God works through people. Yeah. 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 Well, we're also called then, just like Christ cherishes his bride, we are to cherish ours as well. And so I just talked about how, at least for me, I'm, I'm not I'm not the best encourager, uh, even in my own life, in my own head, you know, to myself, always seeing what I've missed or what I haven't done. Um, but the idea of, of letting your wife know that she is uh, cherished and loved, and I think this goes beyond, I didn't say it, I had it wrote in my notes, I didn't say it yesterday, but... It, be, it goes beyond just saying I love you at the end of every phone call, which I hear couples do all the time, like super fast. Oh, yeah, love you. But... <laughs> you guys don't do that. No. <laughs> I don't know how genuine that is <laughs> when, when that's said. <laughs> um, anyways. Hey, you. <laughs> but I think all of us as husbands could look at our relationship and think and know that we could do that better for sure. Uh, to let her know that she's cherished and loved. And something that's come to my mind, we've, we've been doing good justice, I think, to talking about the spiritual side of things. But our love for our wife goes even past the spiritual side of things. And yes, we need to you know, point her to Christ. We need to, but the Bible also tells us how Jesus lavishes all these good gifts to us over and over again. And we could all sit here and attest to that. That I don't, I, when I say, just give me Jesus, Yes, I, I hope that's true in my life, but I also know that God's gone way beyond that. He's given me Christ, but he's giving me so many more things. And uh, as a husband, I think I should let my wife know that I cherish her because I, I care about her spiritually, yes, but also emotionally and physically. And so I, I want to take time and effort to let her see that and to let her know that. And that'll play out, I'm sure, different in, in relationships, you know, of, of, of what your wife likes or whatever it might be. Uh, but really putting her first and trying to, trying to think through those things and let your wife see that you've took time and effort to care uh, about her, you know, not just on her birthday or whatever. Or but President's should, Day. But you should do it on that day, on her birthday. You guys should care about your wife's birthday. Um but to really let, real, I mean, honestly, if there's anyone in the world who should really just feel mm-hmm. lavished by us, it should be our our wives, 
you know, of taking this great care and concern for them. And, um, and so that, that's kind of the last connection that we made of how Christ does that for us. He, he cherishes us. He loves us. Mm. Like I said, he pours out all these blessings on us all the time and how I think we need to do our best to replicate that, um, with our wives as mm-hmm. often, as often as we, as we can, uh, and let them sense that and know mm-hmm. that. Let me ask you this, to, to be fair to our conversation, because we, we had this conversation with the, with the wives who were here last week. As husbands, what do you guys think, what is the scariest thing in thinking about your role in this relationship? What makes you the most nervous maybe to really try to love your wife in this way? You know, what, what is it out there that's like, yeah, but this is frightening or, um, what are some things maybe that make it difficult? And they'll just say like, well, sin, I have sin in my life. I know you could say that, but you know, maybe what are some hindrances sometimes to really fulfilling this to the best of your ability? Can you guys think of, think of anything? Because I'll let you guys keep thinking. Cause like when we say this to wives, wives submit the first thing, the first thing that comes to people's mind is the husband who's domineering and abusive to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we think of. Yeah. Well, what comes to our mind here when we talk about husbands again, kind of the same fear. It's like the husband who's not going to love his wife. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well to me, that's not my fear in doing this. I know my answer would be, I just don't know if you guys would have a different answer. I don't mind sharing my answer first if you want me to. I want you to. Because, <laughs> I mean, I have my answer. I just want to make sure I'm in line with what you're thinking. <laughs> my fear is that as I love my wife with agape love, there will never be any give back. Yeah. Ever. And so I'm going to give everything with nothing in return. And you're like, well, that's selfish. You're supposed to love her. I know. I get it. I really get it. But that's the honest fear is because I'm going to strive to make her happy or to feel cherished. But in the end, what I get is, you don't cherish me enough. You don't love me enough. It's like, are you? I'm really striving here to show you this. And all you say is, I fail, I fail, I fail. That's the fear that I would have. Yeah. Um, and I would have to think I'm not alone in that. Yeah. I mean, my what I was thinking was that... Um. So I'll I'll say this. It's going to sound real bad, but I'll I'll fix it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> my fear would be that I'm by doing this, I'm just going to create a lazy person. Like my wife's just going to be lazy. She's not going to do anything. Like I'm going to be the one doing everything. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to make all the decisions. I don't want to do all of this. Like I'm I'm just going to be putting all kinds of work on myself. But in saying that. It proves something you said, I think, in your sermon to wives um, that we didn't talk about in the last podcast, but it was probably the most impactful part of your sermon to me personally because I've struggled with this. You were talking about like when conflict happens in our marriage, it's because we've we've believed this lie that this person does not love me mm-hmm. or like this person doesn't actually care for me or they don't want what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And that is true in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Like the times where I have been the the biggest bonehead or jerk or whatever have been the times where I am making an assumption that my wife just wants to get, get, get from me and not give, give, give. And she has never done anything to show me that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I've just, I've given into the lie that my wife doesn't actually want what's best for me. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's not true. Like when I try to pursue this, it's it's not a uh, like you said, it's not a give and take relationship. It's not like an exchange. It's more of just like a a healthy body that works together. Like mm-hmm. when when all of its parts are functioning, it just works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say like that's my fear. But I would also say at every step of the way, that fear has proven untrue mm-hmm. for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've doubted my wife's care for me before, and it's it's never been true. I think for me, <clears throat> you know, my fear is a little bit different. Like husbands uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I remember doing a study on that, and the Greek word for as, kathos, means just like or exactly like. And see, that's that's where my fear comes in because my wife Angie is is she's really good at agape love, like as far as just she's. I mean, that's what drew me to her. She's always been like always thinking about others. Very like oh, she's very mindful of people's needs. She's very discerning, and I struggle with being that, you know, being aware or mindful or in tune. And, and so I think my fear is of, of falling short of that, which obviously we all fall short of that. But my fear is like, you know, not being more in tune or aware with her. And I, and part of it is like my own, like you were talking about, you get in your head, Tim, you know, I, I'm, I get in my head, I get stuck. And part of it is my background because, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian family and I saw my dad was not, a very loving person. He had an anger problem. He was a workaholic. He was never aware of me, my sister, and my mom, especially. And so there's always this fear, like, oh, I don't want to be like my dad, mm. you know. But but I know that I I'm too hard on myself because that's where grace comes in. And you and you shared that really well. Like we're gonna fall short because Christ is like the perfect example, and we have everything in Christ. So. You didn't say this, but I kind of mm-hmm. interpret it. Don't beat yourself up. Wives, don't beat yourself up. Husbands, don't beat yourself up. Because I beat myself up. I'm like, oh, I'm, just, I'm not loving my wife like I should because this is what it says. But learning to work toward that without having this unrealistic expectation, you know, that I'm constantly falling short. But working at it, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, work work that muscle, but also give myself some grace too. So. Yeah, I, I just want to share that just because, I mean, I think it's a realistic thing when it's saying you need to love this person in a way that doesn't expect anything in return. But we are going into a marriage relationship, bonding together, kind of saying you're going to do this and I'm going to do this, right? Yes, we are. Uh, but I think we've all been at points in our relationship where we have felt as husbands, we are doing that. And we look and we're like, I don't think you're doing what you promised you would do. You know, and and so then we struggle with that where we're where we start to play games in our head of like, I don't think she likes me. I don't think she loves me. She hasn't done anything for me lately. You know, I, I got her lunch. I've done the dishes and she went to the gas station, didn't bring me a frozen Coke. She got everybody else one. They didn't get me one. It's because she don't like me. The whole family yeah, but Tim. Yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, because she probably knows you already got one today. So. Yeah. I don't think that's ever really happened. That's awesome. Honestly. That's a good I'm just example, trying to though. make something up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we do. We play these games. Uh, yeah, being very uh, upfront, we, me and Amanda had this conversation on vacation this past year. Do you, do you like me? I mean, I don't 
get that set. I mean, always mad at each other. And it wasn't anything I think either of us did. It was life. Life was hectic. Life was, life was busy. Uh, not getting, we, we found this too. We don't get to be together a lot. And what I've been noticing lately is the little times that we get to be together, just us, is really refreshing. Mm. Like we actually enjoy that time together. And all of a sudden we're laughing together, you know, and you see this difference. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, that day's gone. That snow day's over. We're back to real life now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bam. And we're kind of separate again. And and that I think Satan uses that busyness to to Mm. make you start doubting. Yep. Just like he does with our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Does God really care about you? Right? Does he does that with our spouses and as husbands we start to think, you know, that's right. I mean, I've always been told if I did the laundry and if I would do dishes, it would make her love me so much. I'm going to get anything I want. That's not happening. What mm-hmm. the heck? Mm-hmm. I've done this. I've done these things, you know, and I just thought that would be maybe a healthy and a, a good conversation to bring up that that's kind of normal. That's, that's why one of the things I said in my sermon yesterday is I did give a little caveat to wives when talking about the sacrifice part is honor and respect your husband in a way that when he is sacrificing for you, that you make sure you notice it, like let him know that because that's a big deal to hear that from your wife. Like I'm thankful what you're doing for us or, or this that you did for me. That means a lot in a relationship and i've sadly seen a lot of like i said good husbands who just want to go i don't know do something with a friend and they get just the worst they're they're dreading going home after my wife's gonna make me pay for this blah 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 it's like man the relationship shouldn't be that way mm-hmm. you know why why is it like this? there's there's a bigger problem going on here um and so i i think again all relationships i think face those those sort of things but um Regardless, I know what God has really pricked my heart with is even when I feel like that, like I don't think she's giving back, doesn't change the command for me to keep loving in that way. Mm-hmm. Even if she doesn't, keep doing it. Keep loving her, keep loving her, and keep loving her because that's what you're called to do, Tim. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't have an excuse. Mm-hmm. You can't look to God and say, but she didn't love me back. So I, I didn't so. I told you to keep loving her, right, when you join together. So um, a big task for us as husbands, a big task for the wives, like we saw last week, but really a glorious thing when we both are striving to honor the Lord in our marriage relationship. And Paul says it's so glorious that it's a great mystery. He's talking about Christ in the church and how people see that and will recognize that, hopefully, in your relationship. And then give you as a couple an opportunity maybe even to share with others of what God is doing Uh, in your life. And I think discussions like this that we're having, discussions like last week, it doesn't need to be done over podcasts. It could be done together with couples in homes, like open, honest conversations. Uh, And I think that is for our betterment. I think God uses that. This is, you know, the Bible tells us to share our burdens with each other, to share our praise with. And I think Mm -hmm. this is the stuff it's talking about Mm -hmm. is talk about the word of God and how it's impacting your life and your relationship and learn from each other and grow from each other. Again, according to the word of God, um, and you'll see the benefit uh, of those types of uh, discussions in those relationships. So Mm -hmm. you guys got anything else? No, nothing. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, We look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. Pastor Scott will be preaching on uh, parents and children, some more fathers probably, Mm because it speaks specifically to to fathers there. Uh, But 
Hope you'll be here this Sunday uh, to hear that message, and we'll be we'll keep going through Ephesians. We will get done with it, Lord willing, uh, and not and not too long. So, thank you for listening uh, to us today. I hope you have a blessed week. God bless.